So it's been a pretty mundane week in independent league baseball, well, except for the merger talk and the giant Ashmore bomb that dropped the other day, but we're going to break it all down here on this episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Episode number 32. We're back. Ready to go. Got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Got too much stuff to talk about. And we still do have a championship series to break down, amongst other things here. So we're going to dive right into it. However, I do want to just point out one thing here. I did announce on Twitter that this episode is coming out a little bit later than usual. That's because we tried to, we tried to do a call-in thing and it just didn't really work out. So unfortunately, we have to go back to the drawing board on that and redo that episode because the audio from just wasn't salvageable. Look for fancier stuff going forward, but unfortunately that is, uh, that's something we have to back burner for now. And that is why this episode is out later than usual. So apologies for that, but better late than never, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, these things happen and, uh, I think our listeners will understand that, that we're human and we made, we made uh, an attempt to give them the best quality, uh, production possible. But unfortunately that didn't seem like uh, it was going to work out this week. But moving forward, we'll definitely give it our best to make sure we can get some interesting interviews and uh, guest hosts on it. Yep, I think that's well put, and I think now we can kind of jump right in to the Can-Am League merger rumor talk. So there's been a lot of speculation that they will be merging with the Frontier League. Some of the speculation has included that Ottawa will be departing the league, uh, no doubt in part to failing to secure a lease. Uh, we are well past my Miles Wolf's deadline, a bit of a tongue twister there for selling the team. We knew there were two major parties involved, a group of just kind of local investor guys. It seemed like how I bet last week, a bunch of guys that got drunk together and said, let's buy a baseball team. And they're wealthy enough to seriously consider doing that. And then the other group is OSCG. They're kind of well known for uh, sports entertainment in Ottawa. I mean, that's what their group name is, Ottawa Sports Entertainment Group. So they own several other teams around there. They seemed like the the leading front runner, I suppose, to get that team. They were even talking about getting ownership of the team, borrowing a lease back in 2018, and then that kind of fell through. So it looks like if these rumors are correct, that's fallen through and Ottawa's fallen through. However, here, it just seems like those remaining five teams will join the nine Frontier League teams into kind of a super league, if you would. Yeah, obviously, there's a lot of speculation about this on either way as to which way this will go. And, uh, we have, like you said, some information that may be, uh, but you know, it's very early in these processes and things certainly can change. But however, I think it is certainly trending that Ottawa will not be in the Can-Am League any longer and that the Can-Am League may or may not, uh, you know, kind of join with the Frontier League. But like you said, it's, you know, it's early and there's a lot to, to see on, on that front. Exactly. I think it, it's really just a kind of an amalgamation of all the information we're getting from various sources and Obviously, I don't want to say anyone in particular because that's like who sources people get in trouble. But um, by and large, that seems to be what I can definitely see with uh, that city council. I know there's been back and forth that some people are friendly to them, but by and large, it never really seemed like a friendly agreement. There it seemed like the people that wanted baseball wanted affiliated baseball, which is reasonable and understandable, but they were never really uh, receptive to the champions. They were always doing kind of that rough start, not having that transit line. In a city like Ottawa, at the location that that ballpark is in, parking's kind of tough. It's hard to get there. It's not uh, really pedestrian friendly. So it's either by car or by nothing. 
So if the, if you're running late, if there's no bus service around there, it it does put you between a rock and a hard place for going there. So I feel bad for them. I feel bad for the fans there because for when they did show up, they were still doing fairly well. I mean, about uh, I want to say around two thousand games. So that's not bad. It's just you know it wasn't good enough, and clearly they said council with a different way of looking at it. Which I guess it kind of plays into this merger and why it's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think Ottawa's city council is not going to kind of ever go and be with the, the champions on this route. I think no matter what in this case, now that everything is kind of hit the fan, it's not going to be able to be repaired. It doesn't look like it's salvageable. If it is, uh, then, you know, maybe Miles Wolf has a couple of tricks up his sleeve and sell it to the right ownership group and maybe something can happen. But like you're saying, I think this is pretty much a, a lost cause and will definitely precipitate a lot of changes within the Atlanta, uh, the Canada. You know, I definitely think that's a, a good way of putting it. I don't, I just don't see Miles Wolf being able to kind of pull it out at this point. There's a reason why he gave his deadline for the end of September. We're now in the first weekend of October and it's just going to get worse and worse from here. There's going to be the meeting in at the end of the month on the 22nd, which is when I suppose we'll know definitively on this merger one way or the other. And I guess we'll know everything then, but. If you're saying by the 22nd you have to have it sold, signed, delivered, that's you're giving yourself not a lot of time there. I mean, was that roughly two weeks to sell the team, get all the legal situations figured out, get to at least done with the city, then have it approved and have everyone signed? That's a that's a lot of work to do in a very short period of time. Yeah, it's a lot of work to do in a short period of time with a hostile city council. At least some members seem to be rather hostile to the idea mm-hmm. of baseball at all. Uh, so I think that if that's the case, then there's a lot of Changes that need to be made and things to be done really quickly in order for this to happen. It just doesn't seem like it's going to work. It seems like there is a lot of changes that will be occurring, but not in a positive way, unfortunately, for the Ottawa champions. Yeah, and I think kind of moving on from just Ottawa here, there's also the room that Rockland is looking to jump ship. We'll kind of go into that a little bit more when we start talking about the Can-Am, or not the Can-Am, the Atlantic League, front of these rumors here. But uh, by and large here, the... The consensus was that Rockland was looking to get out. I've heard that they were really gun-ho on it in the beginning of 2018. However, that tempered down as the year went on and then it kind of disappeared. I've also heard that from people at certain areas with certain teams that uh, there are people in the Atlantic League that are looking to purchase the Rockland Boulders, but the ownership group is just, they're not receptive to selling. They don't want to sell. They're happy with where they're at. I get the very much sense that they want to be an Atlantic League team, but on their terms. Yeah, I agree. I think that that is definitely what's going on. And, and if there is not a want to sell from the ownership of the Boulders right now, then it's not going to happen. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how many people want them to be in the Atlantic League, how much they should be in the Atlantic League, because you know, arguably they definitely should be in the Atlantic League given their ballpark, given their fans. They should be in the Atlantic League. But you know what? At this point, it just doesn't seem like the ownership is ready to make that move, especially regarding... You know, right now, the timing seems to be very difficult. And I think at that point, you know, you need to see where it goes. Exactly. I think that's a, a good way of looking at it. Although I think what kind of makes me believe in this merger, where it's going to happen, is just kind of shift this back to focusing on the merger. Uh, it's on that fan survey that I mentioned last week. There was the option of, if we go to the Frontier League, which I found very, very odd. You know, like, why would a team in suburban New York be talking about joining a league that's members are all based in the Rust Belt region? And I suppose this, this means why. Uh, I, I think it's, I kind of agree with what I'm hearing that it's going to happen. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. 
especially if you go down to five already, you have to bring in these uh, these international teams or like the Salinas type teams, and that definitely waters down the league. It's weird playing exhibition games that matter because, I mean, if you're not playing someone in the league, it's an exhibition game. And to have that be the difference maker at the end of the year when you're looking at the playoffs or you're looking at seeding, you know, it's it's definitely sucks. But And I think that merger there, when you go up to now, it could be about 14 teams, it definitely lends more credence. You can play teams that matter meaningfully. You could just kind of do like one month-long road trip. You knock it all out here. And I think really what's coming down to is just the the rules and regulations here. And I do wonder if, because in the next thing we're going to discuss, the Ashmore piece, the back half of that was talking about the rule changes and all of that. I wonder how those rule changes are going to affect the, um, the Can-Am going forward or the hybrid league as it were to be. Uh, frontier League, whatever it may go by. Yeah, I think that that's very interesting. I think the hybrid hybrid league that might exist if these two team these two leagues did join together would be a really interesting mix of of leagues. I think it could work really well, especially if you split them into like two divisions that had some kind of an interleague play scenario. That would be rather interesting, and I think it would be unfortunate if you know it doesn't happen because, like you're saying, if you've got a five team league. It doesn't really work. It doesn't really make sense in a lot of areas, and it's just going to be problematic moving forward. And the health of that five-team league, you know, it would be very subjective as to whether how long that could be sustained. Exactly. And this is all kind of assuming that Old Orchard Beach is going to happen, which I'm very shaky on that. I've heard that it's not going to happen. I've heard that it is going to happen. Uh, and obviously, it's coming from various different people that are closer or further away. And I kind of lean on the side that I don't think it's going to make sense here. I think if I'm the Old Orchard Beach Council, if I'm hearing these rumors, which I assume they must have heard, I at the very least go, why don't we wait a year on this, see how this plays out? Because I'm, I would assume the Frontier League would be more than happy to bring them in at some stage or another if the, if expansion would be on the table, which supposedly they are looking for 2020 and 2021 for expansion, at least the Can-Am League half of it. Um, in, in either case, though, even Can-Am still, 16 League isn't very healthy. I mean, we've seen it watching this whole year, you kind of get tired of the repetitive same teams. Not only is it losing interest, it's more or less, it doesn't change that much. You know kind of what the results of the games are going to be kind of going in. Uh, by, I'd say, what, the third week of the year, we kind of knew, okay, Quebec's not going to be good this year. Ottawa, well, they're hot. They're Ottawa. So we know those four teams. We knew the Myers were going to be number one. The Jacks were looking good, so we knew they were going to be up there. I mean, really, the only thing to decide was what was uh, Three Rivers going to do and what was uh, Rockland going to do. Yeah, I agree. I think that 16, 5 teams really doesn't work. I think this big Super League that, that might get made out of the two hmm. uh, leagues would really work and might even challenge the Atlantic League down the line, not right away, but yeah. down the line in terms of on-field play. And as we'll get into a minute, in terms of having those weird rule changes that the MLB deal has kind of forced onto the Atlantic League. And now you have these players who may not be, you know, quite as happy uh, with those those rule changes maybe going over into these different leagues or at least being interested in these different leagues. And I think that that's going to be important to see how, how that goes. And it could make this, you know, big Super League really, really viable as opposed to, you know, two leagues, one with some teams and then one with like, you know, six teams. Exactly, and you have to consider if you have one team that wants up the door, you have one team that's on the verge of folding the league. We've seen both in Sussex and in New Jersey, the attendance can be an issue at some times. 
Obviously, weekends are going to be better than the middle of the week here, but even even some of the Friday games you went to, we've seen kind of touch-and-go attendance at times. If you have touch-and-go attendance at two places, one team on the verge of going under and another team that wants out the door, you need to kind of merge to at least save those teams. And I think merging with the Frontier League, like you said, I think that Super League can definitely challenge. I think all that really needs to remain is just getting rid of their age limit. I think you get rid of that or bump up to even 35, so it's essentially non-existent. It would really help out. I think you definitely could grow, like you're saying. And I think the, the real important thing is the Canada League would at least in spirit exist, though, because I think like you alluded to earlier, you kind of have an AL handle thing going on where maybe once or twice a year you play some teams from the other half. My enlarger saying you're seeing a little bracket. You still know those teams. Supposedly, Lake Erie and Washington would jump over into the Can-Am half of things, so we'd get two new teams, so it would be seven there, which is better than six, but not, you know, groundbreaking. But even still, and I think that could definitely challenge for it. I think this would really make it a lot healthier all in all, and hopefully it would boost attendance back up to the numbers we were seeing just five years ago, where, you know, 2000 was kind of the expected attendance in that league, just the average, not the... The 1800 right now. Yeah, I agree. I think that if they can get those attendance numbers back up by making this merger and making themselves more healthy and more economically viable, then if they can be sustainable long term, then this will really help to kind of progress in the independent league baseball as a whole forward. I think it'll be really interesting to see if it doesn't happen, what happens to the Canada League. And I think, you know, if it does happen, then you have this Can Am division, perhaps we'll call it a Can Am division. Yeah. And then that will, you know, kind of make everything fall into place for a lot of these leagues. Well, no, I definitely think that's the case here. I just want to quickly point out, though, I contacted both the Frontier League and Can-Am about it. And at Can-Am, we got Kevin Wynn. He said, there isn't a merger. Boom. We'll have more information on the season as it goes on. And as for uh, the Frontier League, I got the deputy commissioner. Uh, I believe it's Steve Telfer or Telfer. He basically said the same thing. We enjoyed working with the Canadian League for the All-Star game. We're definitely open to working with them again in the future, but as of right now, we don't have our 2020 plans made yet. We're going to have those announced at the end of the, to the mid to end of the month, which, I mean, when you're talking to the league officials, if there is a merger like this, which is really groundbreaking news here, it's probably the second biggest story that we've covered on this, on this show. I mean, only thing at the top would be the partnership with the Atlantic League. Uh, they're not going to be, they're not going to be weaseling that out easily. You're going to either have to kind of milk it out of them a little bit or just get lucky and catch them in a slip. So it's just more or less to confirm that they're not, that there's not an open secret, I suppose. Just to add that in quickly. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not an open secret yet. Uh, but it's certainly something that seems more likely than not likely, uh, because it makes sense both logistically and logically. However, you know, we could talk about issues with travel and things like that, but just from a purely economic and baseball standpoint, the leagues are very similar in terms of their on-field mm. product. And then from an economic standpoint, I don't know if the Can-Am League with five teams could survive a, a long term. I mean, short term, exactly. yeah. Could they run next year? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you can't run a, you can't run a like Frontier Grays or New Jersey Federals or whatever road team they're going to put out there. You can't run that for two, three years. That's not a viable solution? No, absolutely not. And I think that if they can kind of make themselves into the Super League, like I said, it'll push the Atlantic League a little bit, but it won't be a bad push. It won't be a push in terms of like it's going to, you know, shutter, uh, you know, TD back ballpark and, the, and it'll get a really big yeah, no, way. But it'll be, it'll just be two healthy leagues. 
you know, it's not going to, you know, radically uh, put teams out of business. I mean, that's certainly not going to be the case here. Although it would be interesting to, to see if you uh, saw all four leagues just merge into one. I think that would be a really interesting thing to see. Now, granted, I don't want that to happen because that means things have gone terribly wrong. But I think, like you're saying, the Patriots aren't going to be shattering. I mean, even... Even other teams like South Maryland won't be shattering their doors because of this, but it is something that they're going to have to watch for. It's going to become more of a, I think, kind of a USFL versus NFL type deal where now all of a sudden you have this new league that's taking some of your talent pool and you're going to need to do something to adjust for that. You're going to have to pay your guys more. You're going to have to give them some sort of a benefit. You're going to have to show that, look, our rates of getting people to the majors are just higher. You have a better chance of being scouted. Look, the partnership's actually helping, but with the partnership rules and talk of road teams and everything, I think now is kind of the time here, especially being that we're talking about teams aren't shuttering, to talk about one team that is going to at the very least be leaving the Atlantic League and kind of shift now to uh, New Britain leaving. This is from the Mike Ashmore article now, so this is is moving on from the speculation and rumors that we're hearing to what was reported by Mike Ashmore that he has a lot of people telling him, and he's very confident about it, that it will be the New Britain Bees that will be leaving the Atlantic League this next year, uh, partially due to just finances. Uh, this is a team that has not really made profit. It's by and large owned by Frank Bolton, who, own, who owns the Ducks. He has a hand in uh, High Point still. He has a hand in a couple other teams, and he's also going to be getting uh, Gaston off the ground, which is now confirmed too, but that's going to be talked about in just a moment. Uh, but thoughts on New Britain? I, I think personally, before you dive in deeply, I think this is largely due to uh, them not giving us free peanuts. I think that's the root cause of this. Absolutely. I mean, if had they given us the free peanuts, clearly they would still be in the Atlantic League. But now, obviously, all jokes aside, it's a very sad situation in New Britain. Um, they had a very interesting plan. They had a nice mascot. They had a really interesting stadium. The problem is the stadium's older. Uh, yeah. It's in a little bit of disrepair, as uh, Will from AOPB News had mentioned um, to us that it really wasn't it's in disrepair it's not a really up-to-date stadium and as a result you have a team that has struggled in ways that you know financially and on field have been terrible and it's just it's very sad to see this happen and like you said they're not folding yet Uh, yeah now they're just moving leagues which again contact Canada about it so this two days in a row I emailed Kevin Wynn I'm sure he got tired of seeing our email address pop up there but yeah uh, he said we're not interested in the Britain market just pretty straight up we're not interested in that market now. That could just be, look, we got a bunch of, we got our own affairs to be worrying about right now. We're not worrying about picking up a team that's homeless at the moment, but so what Will was telling us, which you should definitely go follow him on Twitter and Instagram, ALPB News. Um, he's great at this kind of thing. And he was actually the guest we were coming to try to get on, but then that kind of fell through on our end. And from when I was kind of getting there, it seems like that stadium's an awful lot like a Canon League stadium. But the way that thing is ran, and it just, it doesn't seem like it's up to snuff. It seems like Skylands without the charm. Yeah, I agree. It seems like Skylands without the charm. It also just seems like the team isn't really run very well. It's not a professionally run organization. Like some of the teams, even in the Can-Am League, you've got a really professionally run organization. I mean, the Miners, they're a tight ship. Oh, yeah, no, they, they run very smoothly. Jackals, too. Yep. Rockland, especially. Rockland, especially. So you've got some teams in the Can-Am League that run very well. And if the, the Bees can't really get themselves off the ground, they can't really 
Because what is it, four years? They're four years old. Yeah, it's only the fourth year, and I think that's also a large part of the problem, right? And it's going into New Britain. I think a lot of leagues looked at that one. Oh, well, it used to be an affiliated market. You know, this is perfect. We could just slide right in there. We could probably take that same fan base. And what they didn't really anticipate was people not showing up. Team, the team in uh, New Britain left for a reason. Now, granted, that was because they were moving to Hartford. Brand new ballpark was beautiful. But still, if it wasn't, uh, wasn't this be all end all of moves, they probably still have left. And at the end of the day, if you can only support a team for four years, I'm looking at, at like the Frontier League or AM League or really any other league. And I'm going, they only lasted four years. And they have the best of the best talent because I think they all understand where everybody ranks. You have the top of the line count, you have everything you need to succeed, and you still couldn't get out of the hump. And I think that plays a large part of it. And I think, by and large, for what's left in that ownership group, is going to be looking for uh, the cheaper solution now. And I think that's uh, summer collegiate. Yeah, it's it's got to be summer collegiate or. Something maybe you know an empire league or something that's like possible that. too. Yeah, those things are possible, but you know that's not the same level of baseball. The Canaan League still has a very high level of baseball, so does the Frontier League. They're still a very professional league, and if you're not in either one of those, now the Empire League has some guys, you know. You know, guys move on from there. Guys move on from there, so it's not bad, but it's like like you were saying, the minor league of independent league. league, and so you don't really want to be putting your fans in a situation where they see that every day when they're accustomed to something else. That and also I think a large part of it, part of the problem too, is when you look at like Empire League ballparks back like that, they're more, they're more like municipal parks. You know, it's kind of reminiscent of the Pacific Association. For those that are in California know that there's a lot of like municipal fields. It's something that when you walk down to your local park, you'd see them playing there. So... It's, it's something like that, and I think I don't think it's a very viable solution there to put an Empire League team in this, oh, wow, look at this great ballpark, and then, like you're saying, with the drop-off and play, how many fans are going to be going there? And for the little bit in price difference, I think talent-wise, you're better off going with a summer collegiately. I know back before the these went in there, the uh, mayor of New Britain was talking to the Futures College League that does have another Connecticut franchise in Bristol. And it's a, got a lot of teams in Mass, Pittsfield, I know, Lynn, I know, a bunch of, bunch of teams there. And I think that would make a lot more sense. You have kind of a natural rival with Bristol there. I think that's part of the problem with these two is really who's their natural rival? The Ducks, the Patriots, if you're not very good, there's no real rivalry there. I think that's part of what really helped them out too. You have Long Island and Somerset, they're two Titan teams. I mean, we've seen it how many years over that they're always fighting each other in the postseason. And so even though the rosters change over, you have that going. And I think there's a lot of factors for this. Yeah, there's a lot of factors. And like we were saying, uh, you know, before and earlier, that there's a lot of problems also with attendance. And their attendance in their stadium is not going to go up in one of these places. Uh, you know, if you go to a summer collegiate league, it is not going to go up. And, you know, there is certainly a core group of fans that are fantastic. And they, they are hardcore. And exactly. then that's about it, right? I mean, yeah. and so if you're getting 2,000 in the Atlantic League where you've got the Patriots who are averaging about five, you know, or four or five, something like that. Yeah, it's a little over five. Yeah, a little over five. You know, what are you going to get when you take away the prestige and the talent of the Atlantic League and now you're in some collegiate? It can be really, really problematic. Exactly. When you take away the guys that have the major league experience that were 
always like that gem prospect that just never panned out. Guys like Jose Rosario, guys like Mike Olt coming through. Granted, he never played, but he still came through. You had other fairly large name guys come through. And you at least go, oh, let's go to the ballpark to see X play. You know, let's go see Brandon Beachy pitch. Let's go and see Nacho Willis pitch, you know, whomever it may be for that day. Now you're not going to have that. You're probably only going to be drawing around a thousand if you're lucky. It's a nicer ballpark for what it is if you move to a uh, summer league. It's not ideal. It really isn't. And like you said, there is that core group of like five or so fans. I know the two uh, major fan pages on Instagram who are big, big into the, uh, into the beat, obviously. But when you only have a core group of five to ten people, you're not going to be able to run any sort of business on it, including sports teams, especially sports teams. It's a really sad situation for them. It's a sad situation for the city. It sounds also to me like an awful lot like uh, there really was no ever stake. I think Will was touching on that for the lost recording as it is now. Uh, how Bolton owned it a lot and he has no real attachment to New Britain. So it's really just a business venture for him. When you start to lose money like they were doing, there's no reason to continue. You might as well shut it. So there's always kind of been like that antagonistic relationship, I think, between the city and between him, where he never really put any money into that ballpark. I think New Britain was always supposed to be like this kind of panic option, I think, at that time, because keep in mind, at this point, North Folding was only about two years old. Bridgeport just went down. They were shuttering 17, so that lease was not going to be renewed. Then Camden was going down around the same time, so you lost a bunch of teams in a very short period of time. And I think that was kind of like that, uh, we can't run multiple World Warrior teams. We just need to throw something somewhere. Uh, go New Britain. They have a new ballpark and they'll just they'll go with it. Yeah, I think that's what happens. Like you said, it's a league-controlled team. And when you have that happening, you're going to have all sorts of issues where you know the fans and may feel one way, but if you're not making money, you're not making money. And it's very sad. We don't want to put any of the blame on the fans. Obviously, the team needed to be run better or, or do better. Than, and to make it work. And, you know, it's it's not on those diehards. They've, probably, exactly. they've given everything they can, but it's unfortunate, but it just doesn't seem like they'll be playing baseball in the Can-Am League or in the Atlantic League, obviously. Exactly. So, I mean, maybe hopefully that if this merger happens, they add Old Orchard Beach, say, then you add New Britain in there, and then maybe you get a large league going like that. And hopefully something works out. But as of right now, I think the summer collegiate leagues are really the destination for it. And it, I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's still, you know, at least it's something. At least it's baseball, right? But I think at some point you go, well, maybe it's not, you know, <laughs> maybe nothing might be a little bit less painful than sometimes, but it, it depends. But I think summer collegiate does have its, uh, you know, it's it has its benefits. Yeah, it has its benefits. So. I mean, think of it like this. It could be worse. You could be, uh, it could be one of the markets that we were talking about losing. I mean, you'd be like Ottawa. That's going to almost certainly, at this point, at least from everything we know, even losing that team. And it's not going to be the first time this has happened. It's about the same. It's a fairly similar scenario, I think, where you have a city that, you know, just kind of got a rush team because the opening happened. You have ownership that's not local that really wasn't able to put money into it. And the council kind of turned on it. Didn't really help you out much. Not so much in New Britain as in Ottawa, but still to an extent, I believe. And now, after about half a decade, you you have no choice but to call it quits, at least in the current league you're in. In Ottawa's case, maybe permanently. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think there's no way to kind of go around it without 
understanding that that's, that's what it is. And if you lose council support, if you lose fan support in the area, and you don't make the money, you're not going to last very long. Exactly. It's just simple as that. Yeah, quickly, let's go to Rockland before we go to Gaston. Up both time, but both at the same time. Because I think they're fairly well connected. Yeah. Uh, it's been kind of an open secret for a long time that Rockland's future is in the Atlantic League, at least in the minds of the Rocklandites. <laughs> uh, and at least for Gastonia, they got added in. Uh, they released their whole kind of 3D rendering. That's online. We tweeted it out not too long ago. They can take a look at that. Uh, the fuse groundbreaking happened the, the other day, so good for them. That's going to get built. It's going to be up and running in 2021. So that's when the team will take place. I imagine we're going to see a lot of community interaction with that, both for picking the colors, the team name, all the, all the little stuff that turns into big stuff. So good for them, and I think it's kind of interesting to see if Rockland gets out this year, which is doubtful now. I mean, they're at this point, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be, I think. And most of that, are they going to survive out this partnership and kind of write it out for a couple of years, or are they going to say, we're going to do this for one year because it's too late, and then jump over in 2021? I mean, obviously now there's going to be a Road Warriors team in. Uh, for the bees, which I'm sure they don't really like that option, the Atlantic League, especially with the partnership, it kind of devalues what that whole thing looks like. But uh, just kind of generally thinking here. Yeah, I think uh, so. First, I'll touch on Rockland. I think Rockland will stay put for this year. It seems like it's a lot to do in a short amount of time. So it seems like Rockland will stay put for this year. However, I do think eventually, I think at some point in the near future, we've been saying this, I don't know, yeah. but I think at some point eventually, that joke will need to be made, and it will be made. Uh, and then, if we go to Gastonia, or Gastonia, uh, I think that we're all going to make that mistake multiple times here. So, I mean, Gastonia, get Gastonia. used to it. Welcome to the club. Now, this is your initiation for it. <laughs> Gastonia, Gastonia. You can leave in the comments whichever way you'd rather have us pronounce it. Uh, but I, I think, in order to kind of understand that, I mean, I do have some reservations I would have in terms of the North Carolina. Uh, you know, is there enough population center for two teams that are only about 90 minutes apart? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think overall, this is a great move. You've got a lot of talented people making these moves in the Atlantic League. And so you've got a lot of talented people who are talking about how to implement this team in a really good way. And I think if this team uh, goes in and has community support and community engagement, they can do really well. Yeah, that's one of those areas which is kind of concerning to me, too, that population density, how many teams can support. Because they're... <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, there's a there's already a lot of baseball there. You have the Charlotte Knights, the AAA team for the White Sox. You have uh, the Greensboro Drive, I think they're called. There is a team in Greensboro. There's a bunch of summer collegiate teams around there. You have High Point, as we know. Uh, so I, it is kind of concerning. How much can you support? I think it'll be fine, though. I think being near High Point actually helps a lot. I think you get that kind of Long Island uh, Somerset rivalry, which is what Rick White was alluding to when he was commenting on that. I think it's definitely going to kind of boost it up there. Obviously, High Point didn't have the best year. However, from one of the council meetings, Boyd had mentioned that the reason for that being low was because there's a little bit of a delay in getting the ballpark ready, so they had to move people off of sales to actually get the ballpark ready for play. And if people aren't making sales, they're not going to do group sales, they're not going to do you know individual games and stuff, so it's going to be lower. Obviously, the, when you have that full-on, full-court press for sales, you're going to have more attendance. So I think, in addition to having a full year now, we don't have to worry about those kinds of concerns. In addition to having that new rivalry there, I think they're going to be kind of mutually 
beneficial. Yeah. I think it's going to be great to have free partnership. Anyway. I mean, yeah, I think it could be a really good partnership. Although, like I said, I think there's a big difference between the population centers of Long Island and North, northern New Jersey and High Point, uh, North Carolina, and Gastonia, North Carolina. I think there's a big difference, but I do think that they will feed off one another. And overall, I think it will be a good venture. It will be a good decision by the Atlantic League because it seems to be that there's a lot of community support. I think if there wasn't council support, if there was community support, I would be really hesitant. If they were, oh, you know, because the council's involved in this heavily, that definitely helps you out. So now you know they got your back on it. That's definitely a huge plus. Absolutely. And they were chomping at the bit, too. It wasn't like they were just, oh, this is, you know, something we kind of want, but we have to win some people over. They were like, this is what we want. You watch those. Oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm done on that. They were very much on it. I think once the question of what happened in Newark and what happened in Camden and Bridgeport and all that was solved, and just the general sense of how much, how beneficial it's going to be and when they got the full scape of it, I think they really liked it. I think they liked especially that Holt was involved in it because he does have connections with uh, Ticketmaster and other services like that to bring in costs to bring in other events. Because keep in mind, they're the exclusive tenant too. And by being the exclusive tenant, they're going to kind of get other people in there and really make it a year-round facility, which justifies the cost of it. Yeah, I agree. Once it becomes that year-round facility, you've got concerts in there, you've got maybe other things uh, going on there, other events. Yeah, you know, like uh, shows. Um, let's see, what else could you have? You could have uh, like kind of a state fair state thing. Fair I thing. know York had uh, like a tractor expo, things like that, a lot of expeditions. Right, anything like that that you could put in there, and that place becomes a community meeting spot. If mm-hmm. that happens, the team will be there uh, and will be extremely successful. I mean, especially because, like you're saying, that natural rivalry will kind of ignite things. So when they play High Point in Gastonia, it'll be huge. And when High Point, and when they when Gastonia plays in High Point, it'll be big as well. Yeah. Plus, you can always kind of rely on that. Uh, the traveling crowds. I think too, you're going to see a large High Point contingent go out there, and it does present marketing opportunities. Where if you're High Point, you can go to Gastonia and say, look. We want to buy like 10% of your seats for this game. That's a rivalry game. We're going to put together a busting. We'll exchange you 10% for this series if you give us 10% for that series. And I think you could definitely get a lot of interesting things going like that. And I think this is going to be a wonderful, a wonderful thing in the long run. And it certainly will be a nice uh, change of pace after going from a, to a Road Warriors team for a year. Kind of looking shaky because next year is going to be the tough year. 2020 is not, not going to be all roses and sunshine. It's going to be that, it seems like every other year now. So hopefully they get through 2020, it's all good. Hopefully, you know, if the bees are saved at the last minute or something happens where the Road Warrior team isn't that, uh, that impactful. Yeah, I hope that there's not a Road Warrior team. I think if you're able to get like Rockland in there or you're able to get something in there to kind of yeah. boost you in, like you said, maybe somebody saves New Britain with, uh, you know, uh, some money to read model the stadium or something. If something can get done last minute, then that would be really great. Obviously, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. And I think that will make, uh, as Will alluded to in our lost recording, uh, that it will make 2020 kind of a lost season for the Atlantic League. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say lost in terms of, I mean, everything will still be very impactful. They still have the energy. It'll still have significance, for, but it will kind of be, in the larger scheme of things, a season where you look back on and go, if only. It's more of an if-only season, I think, in my mind. Right, more of an if-only season and one that will be challenging because 
if you're, you know, the Somerset Patriots and we go to plenty of Somerset Patriots games, mm-hmm. we're sitting there, we would much rather them be playing the Long Island Ducks than, you know, the Road Warriors, or even the New Britain Bees than the Road Warriors. I mean, the Bees gave the Patriots a hard time this year. I know, yeah, of course. I mean, it also gets, I think, almost like the uh, international games in the Canada League. We have that World Warriors team there. We all kind of know that World Warriors team is ranked 30 games at most. They're probably going to be 29 to 97 like it was the last time around. And who can blame them? You're always on the road. I mean, it's a tough thing to do to play every game on the road. You never really have a respite. You're living hotel to hotel from April to September. It's not really a... It takes... In a way, I guess, takes the fun out of baseball and makes you realize this is a job. And parts, obviously, you're still playing baseball. It's still a fun thing. And if you're weren't driven by the love of the game, you would not be playing there. But still, you're just treated as like, oh, the Rovers are going to lose, so it's a free win series. Maybe they drop one, but it just kind of doesn't feel like meaning. It's one of those games that you just, it's, it just, it lacks something to it. It does lack something to it, and like you said, it's going to be very hard for the players. They're already going through enough with these rule changes. A lot of guys just don't like them. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to be playing for a team that, you know, it's not, you're not part of the community. When you're part of these teams, you're part of the community in all these places. And you're not going to be part of the community anywhere. You're just on a road team. And that's going to be really hard for the, the guys to get through. So uh, I hope it doesn't happen. But unfortunately, it does look like uh, we're heading down that path. Exactly. And then if you consider that merger on the other side, those guys that have a hard time with rule changes, this could really be a big chance if they do merge. You have a road warrior team in there. You have rule changes and stuff. You probably you lost New Britain market. That's a lot of stuff working against the Atlantic League. That could be working in favor of that new Super League. Especially if you pull some guys over there that said, I still want to stay in North America, like Will was talking about. If being in North America gets you scouted. Going over to Europe, not going to get you scouted. Playing in the, like an Israeli league or something like that, probably not going to get scouted there. So it's really Mexico, one of the independent leagues over here, or Japan, South Korea, or uh, or one of the Chinese leagues. So if you're not one of those leagues, that major conglomerate that's forming there can definitely kind of take that place of, uh, look, we're traditional baseball. You can come here. You know what you're going to get. You have a higher talent level. Our teams are still all good. We still have high quality talent. We have these major markets. This is something you should consider. I think the Frontier League with the Canada League attached to it could definitely benefit from that. I think that will especially happen in terms of the pitchers. I think the pitchers will be way more receptive to leaving uh, once that mound change is made. Oh, yeah, that mound change is going to be a major problem. That mound change will be a big problem. You see a lot of talented guys say, mm, I don't know about that one and kind of get away from it because it just doesn't seem like it's going to work out for, you know, like you said, a veteran pitcher, a 30-year-old pitcher who's been, you know, bouncing around in the major leagues and just trying to get back onto an affiliated roster. They don't want to deal with that. They're not going to want to deal with moving the mound back. Or even guys that just want to play and they just they can't find a spot in the majors. They know they're not, they don't want to go through that whole affiliated system again. They just want to kind of play for the love of the game. Kind of a situation where Lou Ford's in. Right. He's not going back to the majors. He's not going to take a triple-A gig even anyway. He just wants to kind of be there. He's a coach. he got a whole nice little gig going. Pitchers like that don't want to be bothered with it. No. You know, if Mike Pelfrey decides to go to the independent leagues, does Mike Pelfrey want to worry about going to a mound that's two feet back and using a digital strike zone with, if he throws a wild pitch, then he has to go 
who cover first base and the first baseman shifted over, which you can't even shift anymore. It's a lot of rule changes that I just don't think veterans want to deal with, like you're saying. I think they definitely could capitalize on that. Yeah, too many rule changes, too fast seems to be part of the problem there. And, you know, I just think overall with the, if this Super League does form, it will be something to be reckoned with, uh, for the Atlantic League, but they can't kind of keep themselves in a very, very strong, structured way this season. Um, even if the Road Warriors have to become part of it. I think we come to the partnership here, and because we've already been talking about it in a sense, I think a lot of these rules are not only going to stay, obviously, but because the language does have a say on it. I can't tell if White's putting on like kind of face, like, oh, we like it, they need to be tweaked a little bit, there needs to be spread communication, and by and large, we like them. I can't tell if that's uh, his way of saying, look, we don't have a say on this, so us disagreeing doesn't make a difference one way or the other. Or if that's the way of saying we actually do like it. I, I hope they actually don't like it. I mean, I, I hope they like they get to, to have the uh, affiliated benefits, right, where they're getting guys and affiliated ball. I hope they like that. Uh, that I mean, they have like records it. for that. I mean, yeah. 59. 59 people. I mean, they, yeah. they should like that. But they should not like uh, the, the outcome, <laughs> which could be if you continue to tweak the rules of baseball. You're talking about, you're not talking about football here. Football is, is a lot more malleable. So it's a newer game. It's not a game that is ingrained in people. I mean, baseball is ingrained. This is how you're supposed to play it. This is the way you do it. There's a whole traditional branch of you know, exactly. believe baseball should be played a certain way. Baseball is almost like going to church. You know what you're going to yeah. expect when you walk in for mass. Football, like you're saying, is a game where you can kind of play with it. You can say, oh, well, let's play in the field. Let's go ahead and move where the upgrades are at. There's been a lot of changes made to that, and it's fine. With baseball, the basics of the game have been the same since 1900. There's not really anything you can change here, where it's you stand this far away, the bases are this far apart from each other, he throws the ball, you try to hit it, if it hits the ground, then they gotta throw you out at a base, or they gotta tag you out. If they catch it on the fly, it's an out. If you swing and miss three times, it's an out. There really isn't terribly much to it. I'm right, I mean, and there's complexity, but there's complexity that people are used to. And when you're adding more complexity, you're making the game more difficult to watch. I mean, it's already difficult enough for people who aren't interested to, to, to be, you know, really yeah. into the game. But you have this random stuff happening. It's like, why am I even here? Exactly. It's like a circus game. And when you're trying to go for families and older folk and young kids and stuff, people just want to be able to sit down and watch the game. And it's an independent league game. So you have to understand something going in where, you know, you're not going to have this uh, this dedicated base where they're going to be watching everything. Everything's going to be live or die on every single pitch where they're going to be glued to their seat. They're going to kind of be in and out of the game. They're not going to be doing this thing where uh, you're keeping score of everything. You're going to be talking to your friends. You're going to be walking around the stadium. Then you're going to tune in for an inning or two. And then you're going to go back and walking around and talk to your friends. And you're going to tune back in for an inning or two. And then next thing you know, it's the ninth inning. Yep. So if you're not paying attention the whole time, you're going to go, well, how did he get on first base? Oh, it was a wild pitch. Oh, there's three strikes? No. Like, you know, it's a 2-1 count. And it's just going to be kind of bewildering there. It's bewildering. It's dumb. It just it doesn't make sense for... Like, if it was something that was... Like, what Major League Baseball has done has been, you know, a lot of uh, people are talking about they juice the ball. They have. Like, yeah, no, it, it definitely is. They may say no, but they definitely have. They're flying out of the ballpark way quicker. Way quicker. And you know what? That's something that is a, a real change. That actually helps, right? It does something. Now, granted, I think uh, 
Oh, she helps. It helps. I think they're kind of just saying, well, everybody likes constant action, so strikeouts and home runs are constant action. Let's try and boost those up. Right. And I think that it, it does help, right? I think it will help in terms of engagement with people. I hmm. think, especially, you know, you see a guy like, I don't know, Brett Gardner hit like 28 home runs this year. Nothing against Brett Gardner. He's a great baseball player. But at the end of the day, he shouldn't be hitting 28 home runs in the season. He just doesn't have that kind of power. And so if you're going to have this new, uh, you know, these new balls that are going into play in Major League Baseball, do that in the Atlantic League. I mean, let's, let's do something like that. That, if they were testing that, that would be a lot easier. Like, oh, did you just be, a, you know, being upfront about it and saying, we're tr- testing these different types of baseballs. And, and, and that would be a little bit easier to sell than changing the actual game itself. Yeah, I've always kind of said that if you're going to make changes, don't make little changes. Go all out. Let's make some radical changes here if we're going to make changes. Let's not do this little thing like, oh, if it's a wild pitch, you can go. Let's change everything. Either you're going to say, we're a game of tradition. That's the way things are done. We're only going to make the most minute of changes, like wiping a base or Really, no major effect. I think it's better because it cuts down the injury risk. Yeah. That's fine. You could do little things like that. Or you can say, well, okay, let's scrap everything and burn it all to the ground and start from scratch. Either way, it's fine by me. Just you have to pick. Are you going to go off of that story tradition thing, America's pastime? Or are you going to say, we need to modernize? If you're going to modernize, then I'm sorry, you can't go with the American pastime route. You can't advertise yourself as that because that's not what you are. And on the flip side, if you go with the America's pastime route, you have to understand the limitations that are coming with that. Sure, you're going to be able to drum up marketing and really kind of play into that Americana. You can probably draw some people to the ballpark with it. But you have to understand, you're probably not going to get as many young people. And I think part of the issue here is just the game of baseball itself is not a game that really draws in a younger audience. I don't think baseball ever has, you know, had like an average age of under 30. It's just a game that it's like a summer day. You just kind of sit and you watch it, and it's like a game of chess playing out. It's the little movements that all add up at the end. I mean, look at the score in each inning. You could score two runs every inning, and then all of a sudden it's an 18-run game. But in each individual inning, it doesn't seem that bad. Even if you go, oh, well, they only let up three hits that inning. Well, at the end of the game, it's 27 hits. That's a lot. You know, it's a bunch of little things with baseball. I think by trying to do a lot of these changes, it's not to working out. And clearly the players that are talking about leaving and not returning agree with that. Yeah, I think a lot of players agree with that and say that, you know, if you're going to do it, you know, do it. But I don't think many people would be receptive to that. I think it would actually hurt baseball a lot more than it would help it if they were trying to make these really radical changes. I don't think it would work long term. I think it could have some short term impact. But I think keep baseball the way it is, maybe you could tweak, like you said, widening the bases, Maybe, you know, I like the, the play rules where you're getting the, the, the clock in a little bit. You know, you yeah, the shorter in between and then like mountain bits and stuff like yeah, that. that, that fine with. Yeah, that stuff I'm fine with. That makes sense. Those kind of housekeeping things. Like I said, I even don't have too much of a problem with the baseballs, given if it's not too bad, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like Major League Baseball this year has been a little, little egregious, but I think you have wiggle room on where you can tweak those smaller things. Mm-hmm. But the big things, if you're going to do it, create a different game. Like, make, like you're saying, go all out and just scrap it and make a different game. Exactly. I think that's just the way you have to go with it. Because if you want the younger audience to make the radical change you think you're going to make, and don't worry about annoying the older fans. Yeah. If you are worried about the older fans, then you can't do too much radical because they're not going to be happy. you got to pick which group are you fine uh, PO-ing. Which group is going to be PO'd at you? Pick which one you want. And I don't think uh, younger audiences are necessarily 
I think it's just that. I think, yeah, well, their dogs don't care. I think that's the thing. I think that you could pick apathy or you could pick PO. Oh, right. And I think I'd pick PO, to be honest. I think you can still hate watch something because that's just what you've done. I think when you have someone that's apathetic to it, you just go, I don't care enough to watch. I mean, I think changing baseball is uh, problematic in, in, in many ways. Baseball is baseball, right? I mean, you can change certain things. You can make it, you know, loosen people up a little bit. You can make it more fun with people's, you know, personality shine through, things like that. But I don't necessarily know if uh, a radical change to the game of baseball is really going to do anything. Uh, you know, I mean, people like baseball are the people that like baseball. And if you don't like baseball, that's not your, your thing. There's plenty of other sports, and particularly because football is becoming less popular uh, as a result of certainly for younger levels. I think you will see baseball kind of filtering itself back into kind of the American conscience again. Hmm. I think we kind of gone away from the, the actual rules part of the article and just going to kind of navigate back out. Yeah, I think what really we're going to have to watch out for is a lot of these guys are not going to be going anywhere because they don't have a lot of places to go. I think really what comes down to it is if that if the merger happens. I think the merger is a catalyst for a lot of this stuff. Because if the merger happens, all of a sudden everything is now on the table again. Where you can see guys go to that super league. You could see a new Britain possibly move back over to there in a couple of years, if they still are around, obviously. Uh, you could see a lot more at work. You may see more expense, uh, more aggressive expansion from each league there to kind of cover those markets that they will go, Oh, we got to get this. We got to get this. Like I know we talked about Wilmington, North Carolina being a possibility. Maybe the Atlantic League goes, well, before they get there, we got to get there and they may jump on it. There's a lot of possibilities there. I think uh, I think these rule changes are going to be kind of the uh, they're going to be a deciding factor for a lot of people, but it's not going to be the lone factor. And I think this is what's going to be able to push people over the edge of determining if they want to jump ship or stay on board. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I think you know you hit you hit the nail on the head. It depends on what people really want to do and if they want to do it. Exactly. I think now we've kind of covered the Ashmore article and the. Uh, can am rumors enough. I think we can kind of talk about the uh, the championship series that could come to an end tonight. Yeah. Uh, we talked with Will about this, and I really, I'm really sad that we lost this because I wanted to get that content in there so badly because he's really knowledgeable in everything about this, and he took a lead on this and did a tremendous breakdown. So we're going to try and do our best to fill in for that void. But uh, in any case, we saw last night that Sugarland Bolton that we were discussing on that last bit how shaky it is turn into the shakiness that it was, but they did pull it out 7-5. They lead 2-1 now in the series. They managed to score seven runs in each game, and it seems like it could all come to a close tonight. We know Chase DeJong's on the mound versus Brandon Beachy, but what are we thinking is going to be the end result of the series? I still think Long Island can pull the series out. I still think they, on paper, are the better team. However, like you said, Sugarland's the high, hot hand right now. When you're in the hot hand, you, you can't can't underestimate that. When you're a team that's playing with confidence, that can really take over a game. So I think, uh, you know, if, you, if you're talking about confident Sugarland team, they can really pull it out. Even though, I, as I said yesterday, their bullpen is, oh, it gives me jitters. Oh, their, their whole staff is just so shaky that it really does concern me a lot. But at the same time, though, they come through. They get the offense they need, and they hang on. It doesn't matter if you're good. It just matters if you're clutch. And they're clutch enough just to hang on there. I think Long Island was able to squeak this out. I'm a big believer in Brandon Beachy. I think he's going to get the win tonight, and then we're going to have a situation tomorrow with winner take all. Now, what happens there? It's game five. Anything can happen. 
But I think that Long Island depth is still going to be enough to power through. Now, I think by the third inning of tonight's game, we're going to know one way or the other. Someone's going to have a lead, and whoever has the lead in the third, I think it's going to have the lead for the other six innings. But like you're saying, that bullpen is shaky. The whole staff is really shaky. Different guys, different times have shown up with the bats. Uh, obviously, guys like Giansanti have been a little bit disappointing. Guys like like Bornstein have had to come and bail them out. There has been not much consistency there, which is something we haven't really seen from them. They've been a pretty consistent batting team, even on their low stretches this year. So I think it really shows, depends on uh, if the Sugar Land team that's won so many championships as of late, that's gone to so many finals as of late, that was a dominant force for part of the year and then, you know, went on to win their divisional crown for the first half, shows up where we're going to see that second half Sugar Land team work. They're really not consistent. The bats aren't doing a lot of work. They're blowing games that they should be just grabbing by the throat. I think a lot of that is uh, still up in the air. And I think whichever team shows up is going to toss who wins the series. I agree. It's whatever team shows up. And look, Long Island got hit in the mouth. Yeah. They got hit in the mouth. And at this point, if they can't come out, like you're saying early on, first three to four innings, if they are you know, lethargic and they're like, oh, we kind of already lost, yeah. then they're just going to get pummeled and that'll be that. Yeah. And I think you're right. If, but if Long Island can come out and say, okay, we are the best team in this league this season, at least according to the regular season, yeah. if they can come out and say, we got Brandon Beachy on the bump today, we got a really good shot, then then maybe there's a chance. But I think, you know, the Sugarland wraps it up if mentally uh Long Island kind of gives up the good a little bit. I don't think they're going to be giving up that play. They have too much better leadership in that room between guys like Washington and Luke Ford. Wally Backman is, for all his faults, still a tremendous motivator, and he's a passionate guy. So I feel as though he can definitely get the get his team to at least win one more game. I, game five is the game I'm not confident in. That one, I think, like I want to say Long Island because there's a lot of evidence and statistics that back up saying Long Island's going to win the series. But just from what I'm seeing and going by the eye test, which I normally don't like going with because it's rather deceptive at times, at this time of year, stats can kind of go out the window at times, and this is one of those times. And I got to say, I think Sugarland's going to win this in five. I think Beachy's going to win tonight. I think it's going to be another high-scoring affair. And I think we're going to see that high-scoring affair starting around the seventh when you see the starters come out. And I think really what everything comes down to is to kind of start to chase the shot pass. Yeah, I agree. It's it's the kind of start that Dijon has, and, and also how Beachy comes out. Is he comes out? Is he ready, ready to go? And is he his usual self? If he is, then they have a really good chance, like you're saying, in game four, in game five. I still think Long Island. If they if they get to a game five, I think Long Island wins it because I think Sugarland's got got them on the mat right now. Yeah. And if they let them get back up, I think uh, you know Long Island really can stick it to them. Uh, like you're saying, the, the motivator in, in the Wally backman will certainly be, be out tonight. So I, I think it's interesting to see what will happen. But I think game five, I differ with you there. I do think Long Island, you know, statistically throughout the season has been good. And even now that they're not the hot hand, if they're, they're such a resilient team that they get, they get back up off the mat, they really can make a difference. All right. So I think we can kind of conclude this with you have Long Island in five. I'm going to go Sugarland in five. I think we can both agree that Long Island's Plan needs to win tonight as long as they come out with a good start, get some offense going. It's what's going to, uh, they're going to have to win it. Yep, I agree. All right. So, with that being said, we don't have anything else left to add. 
Uh, I am. We're still going to give uh, Will his shout out here because I feel bad that we couldn't get this audio situation worked out. So definitely go follow him on Instagram at AOPB news, at AOPB underscore news. That's all lowercase. So be sure to give him a follow there. Although I'm sure if you're listening to us, you're following us. You're already probably following him, but if not, definitely go follow him. He's a tremendous source. He gets all, he's just like lives and breathes this stuff. And in some areas where we don't know a lot, he knows a lot. So definitely go help him out. He's a great guy, a real friend of the show there. As for us, you can find all our stuff on Twitter at IndieBallPod, on Instagram, IndieBallReport. Both of those are lowercase, so don't worry about that none. And then you can find us basically any podcatcher outside of Google Play Store. That one's still a little bit tricky for us, but IndieBallReport on just about anything. Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, and just CastBox, anything that you use, we're basically there. So we're easy enough to find there. You can look at our website. We got polls, we got articles, we got videos, we got a bunch of stuff there. That's IndieBallReport.com. So be sure to check out our stuff there. And like we end every show, don't forget to play ball.